Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, my name's Tom. I'm the senior pastor here, and uh, we are in the midst of a series on kind of conflict and relationships and resolution. Um, Today, we're going to be looking specifically at um, betrayal and restoration. And there is a, um, so in your Old Testament, you're going to find uh, the book of Genesis, the first book um, in, in your Bible. And it will lay out pretty much from chapter 6 all the way through the end what are called the patriarchs. And the patriarchs are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the, they, their stories dominate the text. Where they go, the, the stories between their families. And one uh, such person in particular that is my favorite, I know you're not supposed to just like rank uh, people in your Bible, but um, if we had like a bracket, my number one seed would be Jacob. Uh, Jacob for me is an interesting <laughs> person um, with an abundance of messed up relationships, poor decisions. Uh, he is someone that I, uh, to read about, and I'm just fascinated by how many poor decisions he made, but God still continues to use him. He is faithful, but he is flawed. Now, Jacob has a lot of kids, and they're going to end up forming the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, But one such in particular is a son named Joseph. And Joseph uh, is his favorite kid, and he announces it to his whole family. This is my favorite kid. Uh, To the you know, to his brothers as well, this is my favorite kid. And in reality, what he does is he sets this kid up for jealousy and favoritism. And Joseph, though, kind of owns it. Um, he knows he is the favorite kid. Uh, he knows that he is uh, the, the most loved. And that's not going to earn him a lot of points or favors in his own family. So much so that he is so favored that jo- uh, Jacob gives Joseph, it's not an amazing Technicolor dream coat, okay? That was a play that was in the 70s. It's not very biblical. Um, so, but he does give him an ornate coat. That is true. Um, but what this coat represents, it is, it's, it's very long-sleeved. And like this, like longer, I mean, but like annoyingly long-sleeved, would have had some color in it because color represented wealth. Now, the long-sleeved thing is that represents, I don't work with my hands. I'm, I'm taken care of. Everybody else is working with their hands. So that's, so you are basically showing to your brothers, to your family, and everyone around you how loved you are and how less loved they are. So I'm going to condense about 10 chapters of Genesis in about 30 seconds here, just to get to where I I want us to go. The brothers get jealous. They sell Joseph into slavery. He ends up being sold into Egypt, and eventually he will work his way up into Pharaoh's court, become second in command. Jacob or Joseph does a really good job. There's dream interpretation in here. There's a whole lot of other stuff that we're not going to really get into today. But he is doing well in Egypt. Then there's a big famine that happens throughout the land, at least for two years before this story that we're going to approach today. 
Jacob is starving. His family is, is, is being impoverished by this famine. And he will send the boys down to Egypt because he hears that there is grain in Egypt. What ends up happening there is Jacob will recognize, or Joseph will recognize the brothers, but the brothers will not recognize him because he was sold into slavery when he was about 17 or so. Now, imagine you see the brothers that sold you into slavery come to you into your city begging for food. How gracious would you be? How um, loving would you be back towards these brothers that have betrayed you? And how much would you trust them? So this relationship is kind of fraught with some conflict here. So we're going to join in here at the the very end because Joseph is going to put them to a test. And he is going to um, accuse them of stealing a cup. Now, here's the best part. Since Joseph is gone, Jacob now has announced he has another favorite kid. And this other favorite kid is Benjamin, the youngest. And so the penalty for stealing is that you get to pick another servant. So Joseph is going to say, give me Benjamin. This is going to put the brothers to a test. So let's join the story in Genesis chapter 44. Now then... Let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place. In place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. One of the brothers is offering himself up as a sacrifice saying, leave Benjamin alone, take me. Do not let see the misery that would come upon my father. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, don't let me see the misery that would come upon my father. So this is a significant shift in personality and in maturity. They are, he is offering himself up in place of the boy. Now, Joseph at this point sees that they are different. Sometimes people will say, I have changed. Um, but normally, that is best proved by action. So he, he's, he doesn't trust them, and, and rightfully so. But he sees that they're not willing to sell out their brother like they did him. So in the next verse, Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cries out, have everyone leave my presence. Is that up? Have everyone leave my presence. So there was none with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were not able to answer them because they were terrified. And I think all of us would be, right? You're in this kind of house of ultimate authority you know that the brother you sold out has all of this power. So Joseph says to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother. I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Like, like he needed to remind him. You know, like that, that one. Now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. 
For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five, there will be no plowing nor reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, your children and your grandchildren, your flocks, your herds, and everything that you have. I will provide for you there because five more years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. Jacob is going to be shown grace here. The brothers are going to be shown grace here. It's a remarkable story because I don't know what I would do in that situation if someone that betrayed me years earlier sold me out, they show up needing me, and I'm in a pretty sweet situation. How humble would you be in that moment? Would you say, oh, well, you know, like, well, well, well. So you need, you need me now. You, you, you need me now. I mean, I... I just have, you know, all the wealth of Egypt at my disposal, and you need food. You're hungry. That's a shame. Maybe you shouldn't have sold me out. Um, maybe you should, you know, this is a peak opportunity for, for pettiness. Um, you could have dug into this. This is a high moment, and I don't know if in that setting, I would have been as graceful as Joseph here. But he sees his brothers change because they were not willing to sacrifice the boy. Let's get back to Jacob. Because Jacob has this tendency of, this is Joseph's dad, has this tendency of making these incredibly poor decisions. So he outfits his son in the finest linen and sets him up for this jealousy. Earlier in Jacob's story, um, he will steal his father's blessing. He'll steal Isaac's blessing from his older brother Esau. Now Esau will amass a great army and will, uh, so Jacob flees and runs and he takes his dad's blessing and his inheritance. All that stuff that he has is from a stolen uh, blessing earlier. He will take, he will flee, and eventually there will be a meeting where Esau and Jacob will have to meet. And he's assuming the worst, that Esau will try to attack him and kill him and take all of his property. Esau shows him grace, but before that happens, he puts his wives out in front of him in descending order uh, as human shields. Um, As, hey, um, you know, wife number three, you're going to be at the front of the line. Then the next one I like, he's ranking his, his family and his wives, and he's putting them out in front. Esau doesn't, fortunately, mow through them. But how would you like to have been the first wife on that line? How would you like to have been the other brothers compared to Joseph? And then how would you like to be the fact that you sold, you sold this brother out, and now he's got another favorite kid? But Joseph sees... His brothers, and the first question he says is, is my dad still alive? He's seeking restoration. He wants to see him again. 
He was betrayed and failed by his brothers in a major way. Later on, and this won't be on your screen, I just wanted you to, read, uh, to hear this. Jacob will come down to Goshen and he will pass away in that area. Joseph, will throw, Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. Then Joseph will stay in Egypt along with all of his father's families. He will live a long life. Then Joseph will say to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So here's what's happening here. <laughs> this is the Genesis 50, and then you're going to turn to Exodus 1. The reason the Israelites are even in Egypt is because of this story. They are there because Joseph was sold into slavery, and then he will gather his brothers and, and Jacob back into this area. And Pharaoh took a shine on Joseph, but the next Pharaoh will see how strong they are and will put them into slavery. Then you turn to Exodus 1 and you see, you know, the early, the Israelites are oppressed, they're in bondage, and they're going to need another major rescue. And then you have the story of Moses coming into this. Sometimes the, the stories of pain and of suffering are for a greater purpose. Without Joseph being sold into this, they're not in Egypt. And if they're not in Egypt, there's no Moses. If there's no Moses, there's no Red Sea moment. There's no wandering in the desert. There's, there's no Ten Commandments. You know, so this is a kind of a critical, pivotal moment in the life of, of the early Israelite patriarchy that we see it as like, oh, that's terrible that his brothers would do that. But God saw, I need to get them to Egypt. So, too often, we only ascribe prosperity and great things as, you know, oh, that's, God must be in that. But sometimes God is in the midst of our hurt and our suffering. He's in the midst of this broken relationship. This, this family is a mess. If you read pretty much from Genesis 30 on to 50, it is an absolute mess. But God still uses the mess of this relationship to move his will forward. And so let's bring this forward a couple thousand years to now. Has someone betrayed you that you have not let that go? Has someone hurt you? And maybe it was years ago and you're still holding on to this anger and you, you bring it up all the time. Or whenever they come to mind, you think, oh, I wish I could. Have you had like arguments in the shower, you know, in your head? Like you think, this is what I should have said to those, right? <laughs> I have won so many arguments um, in this because you think later, I should have said this or I should have, you know. And, but you're still going backwards. And Joseph looks at his brothers and says, I know what happened, but God was in that. Let's go back to uh, 44. Uh, verse six, 6. Sorry, where am I? 45, verse 6. 
For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five, there will be no reaping nor plowing. So this is, we're not even at the halfway point of this famine. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant, to save your lives by a great deliverance. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. There's a lot of theological arguments in that one line. Does God send us through those things? But let's just take a moment to think about where have you learned most about the character of God? Was it in your valleys or your mountains? Was it in, when, when have you prayed the absolute most? Is when you are going through what the Israelites are getting ready to go through. Now, unfortunately, I'm going to teach you the entire New Old Testament in about three minutes here. This is what happens. They will be in bondage or slavery. They will cry out to God. God will look down and take mercy upon them and will rescue them. They will be rescued. They will start to believe their own publicity. And they will forget who got them out of that bondage. And they will forget who God is. And then they will be placed back into slavery. And then they will, be, they will cry out to God, and God will rescue them. This, I can do this with David. I can do this with Moses. I can do this repeatedly throughout. They, don't, they, they never learn. And maybe that's the exact same pattern that you have. That when we are rescued by God from something, we think, thank you, God, and we immediately say, man, I'm so happy that I did that. And we start to believe our own publicity. We forget about who God is. We go through darkness and pain and hurt. All of a sudden, we remember to pray. God looks down on us, takes mercy, rescue us. Then we walk away. That pattern is repeated in the, in the Israelite story. as well. It's also repeated in our own individual story. But Joseph breaks a chain here, which is really cool to see because we can break that cycle. Joseph looks at his brothers and rightfully could have had them all put down. He had all the power in the world to do it. He could have said, these were the brothers that, that sold me out, betrayed me, hurt me, and now I have all the power. I have the power now. And he could have repaid their betrayal with betrayal. But he repaid it with grace. He saw and he said, I know that that hurt. I see that your character is different now. I want to take care of you. Tell dad to come down to Egypt. Tell dad to come down here and be, be with us because we can be a family again. Later on in verse 50, in chapter 50, Joseph says to his brothers, I am about to die. That's what I said earlier. But God will surely come to your aid Remember who God is. He will come to your aid and will take you up out of this land to the promise. That promise is only achieved through slavery, hurt, Pharaoh, 10 plagues, 40 years of wandering, the death of Moses. But eventually, they get there. They cross the Jordan into the promised land. But you don't get that without the story starting in Egypt. 
So I don't know where you are in a relationship or where you are personally with someone, or maybe you're going through a bit of an Egypt right now. It just seems dark. It seems like, you know, it, it, it hurts. Okay. What are we learning? Because in those, in those valleys is where you learn the most about your relationship with God. You learn the most about where your trust lies. Uh, you learn most about your prayer life. All of a sudden, it becomes activated. Or you can choose just to see the anger and the hurt and just hold on to those grudges and say, you know what, I, I'm just going to hold on to this poison forever. Or Joseph breaks it and says, where's dad? It is a remarkable story of redemption that we have here. I don't know if I were in that situation where, where I would place. It, that is a crazy, crazy amount of humility that Joseph expresses here. Joseph, here's what I want you to kind of remember today, was obnoxious, but he changes. Joseph becomes humble. It's very humble to have that amount of power and not use it. The guy was wearing a big fluffy coat earlier in the story and was showing it off with his brothers because he had one good thing. Now he has an entire palace and he doesn't use it. Jacob made incredibly poor decisions. He stole, he ranked wives, he ranked children and told them about it. He, but he, he becomes, God changes his name to Israel, which literally means wrestles or struggles with God. And God will use this incredibly flawed human being to advance his kingdom forward. The brothers made a very poor decision, but they learned something along the way by their actions on what to do with Benjamin later on. Each of them failed each other repeatedly, but God still used them. God will use your broken relationships. God will use the pain that you are going through. God will use the hurt and the struggle. And, and in the midst of it, you know, I don't ever want to like, you never walk into a hospital room and somebody's sitting there like, and they have a bad diagnosis and you say, boy, what are you going to learn from God today? Okay. But you sit with them in that hurt and you say, I'm here. Later, when you look back, it's always hindsight on, on some of these. You look back and say, I wish I could have avoided that pain, but I never would have learned how to pray. And then you try to hold on to the lessons that you've learned as long as you can. And maybe you have a relationship like that. I wish I could have avoided that pain that we went through, but our marriage got stronger because of it. I wish I would have communicated better, but when we went through that hurt, all of a sudden I learned and I remembered how to communicate better with my wife. I wish I could have avoided that falling out that I had with my friend and, and I wish I would have been a better friend going into it, but I learned how to be a better person to my next set of friends. That's what we learn and we see here in the story of Joseph and his brothers. He could have walked away and nobody would have faulted him at all, but he wanted that relationship with his dad again and he wanted that relationship with his brothers again. 
He could have, bur- he could have burned it all to the ground. But God used that valley to get them to Egypt. And I wish <laughs> they would have stayed faithful to God, but they will forget. I wish we would have stayed faithful to God, but we will forget. We will forget. We will go through it. All of a sudden, we will cry out to God for help. He will rescue us and restore us and put us on the path again. But then we will forget the lessons that we learned. So my prayer for you today is that you don't forget. Don't forget where you are now is because of where you were. Who you are now, the wounds that you are carrying, have a purpose. And may God use them to further his kingdom and for you to get to know him better. Would you pray with me today? Lord, there's a lot of broken people, myself included, in this room. For many of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and many of us have been the brothers in this story. Many of us would have been a petty Joseph. But may we see the struggles and the hurt that we are walking through now as developing us into who you want us to be. None of us get out of here without a hurt. None of us get out of here without a loss or a failure or some, or some conflict along the way. May we pray to you and cry out to you in the midst of those poor decisions and poor relationships. And may we get closer to you because you love us so much. We pray all of this in your holy name. Amen.